What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Subject to Improvement podcast. I am your host, Susanna Margison. I am a lawyer turned life coach, and I coach millennial and Gen Z leaders, CEOs, and high achievers through very high stakes situations. And I want to talk today about a situation that might not seem high stakes from, you know, a traditional kind of TV perspective. Like this might not make Shonda Rhimes's dramas, you know, in terms of being a great plot twist, but it's something that definitely feels high stakes to the people who are in it. And in my head, there's really no general definition of what is high stakes enough to be coached by me. But I think when you're in, I think it actually comes down to what feels high stakes to you. And I have noticed over the past couple of weeks with people coming into my world telling me about this, that the scenario I'm about to describe is very, very high stakes. So without further ado, I'm going to jump in. I want to talk today about the experience of being socially isolated because of either mean girling or relational aggression or workplace bullying. I've actually heard it called workplace mobbing, but essentially it's this experience of being singled out, being excluded, being ostracized, and being isolated by other people. And often for no good reason, or often the punishment just doesn't fit the crime. So I have had personal experience with this, as I honestly believe, and I'm going to file this under the category of, do we all have this in common? Because I think this is a universal human experience, but I haven't, I obviously don't know all 8 billion people on the planet. I haven't tested this, but I'm curious if it is because I've noticed that it's happening more and more often. And the other thing I'm noticing or at least people are telling me about it more often. But the other thing I'm noticing is that people seem surprised when I say this happened to me too. So I'm sharing this because not only are they surprised when I say that, but they seem to feel better. So in case this is happening to you too, I want you to feel better. But also I want to share how I got through it and some of my tried, tested, and true tricks for getting through this. And so I'm going to pack the value into this podcast episode because I think this issue is just so fucking important and especially for people who are going through it. And um, having been there, this is the podcast episode that I wish existed back when I first had my first real encounter with this experience, which I'm going to tell you about right now, by the way. So one of, I would say, the seminal experiences of my teenage years involved trying very, very hard not to let anybody know that I didn't really have a great group of friends, uh, at least in the first couple of years of high school, that I didn't I didn't really feel like I fit anywhere. And this really came to a head in grade 10. So I was about 15 years old. And the people I had hung out with the year before had all graduated. They were all older than I was. And I wasn't really sure where I fit. So I was looking for a group of friends to hang out with. And you know, it's funny because I think teenagers in particular, like they're very, very aware of the social hierarchy and I was no different. And so I chose a group of friends that I thought was attainable. Like I thought they were nice people. They weren't so popular that rejection was going to be like a given. Like I thought I had a shot of becoming their friend and being included in their group. And really I wanted nothing more than to have a group of friends because the messaging I was getting, honestly, like I can look back on this with hindsight's 2020, but looking back on it as an adult, I think the reason why this mattered so much to me was that I was getting messaging from society that like, if you didn't have a group of friends that you hung out with, then there was something wrong with you. Like you were a loner, you were a social pariah. Like it was just, you were unacceptable. And it was like, 
there must be a reason why people are rejecting you or else you'd have the friends. And as I'm saying that, that is a trend that I think that's a thought error that I have had that has continued uh, almost into adulthood where it's like, that's an assumption that I have made. Um, and it's not, it's not correct. So in order to conceal this thing about myself, I tried to make friends with these people. And for a while it worked, but it was a lot of work, like a ton of work. And amongst other things, one of the things I remember doing, bearing in mind, memory is not the most reliable. This happened 20 years ago. So the way I remember it, A, might not be 100% accurate. Like I'm telling you things that I've got a pretty distinct recollection of, but B, might also not be the way other people remember things. So just putting that out there. I'm a lawyer. Like I don't want to state something as absolute fact when it's really just my recollection. But my recollection was is that it was a lot of work. And amongst other things, I had to make sure that I was at a designated meeting spot on time so that I could go somewhere for lunch with these people. Because if I wasn't there, I wasn't sure that they were going to wait for me. And that was incredibly important. So <clears throat> this was something that I, I did a lot. I would go along with them. I'm not sure that I was the best company. I I, pro- I definitely hadn't really like come into my own. I was very insecure, probably didn't have the best self-esteem. You know, I was 15, big surprise there. Um, but it at one point, they stopped being at that meeting place. And I remember feeling, you know, that it was, it was kind of a crisis for me in the sense that like I was, very, you know, I felt awful. I felt like you know, it was obvious to everybody that I didn't have any friends. And and that made me feel so, um, uh, made me feel like a spectacle. It made me feel like I felt like my chest tightening. Like it was just a horrible, horrible way to feel. And I wasn't really sure how to deal with it. And this continued for about a week. And then I was invited over to a couple of the girls' houses, like one of the girls' house for a sleepover with two of the girls that were part of the group. And they fessed up that they had been ditching me that week And they wanted to talk to me about it. And the reason why they had ditched me was because I was, and this word I do remember, and I'm very, I would stand by this. They said I was fake. Now, I was devastated by this. Like, this was awful. And, you know, not only did I not fit, but I was also being actively ditched. Like, I was offering my friendship and it was being full-on rejected. And knowing what I know now, I know that, number one, the brain interprets rejection very similarly to the way that it processes physical pain. And so that experience, that horrible experience is a physiological experience. It's not just, you know, we would be told as you know, by society when we were younger, you know, get over it. You know, you're being too sensitive. It, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me kind of thing. Total bullshit. And now actually neuroscience has proved that that's total bullshit. So that, that I was devastated. And it, I was also really upset because I wasn't really sure what to make of the fact that they said that I was fake because I didn't think I was being fake. I thought I might have been being quiet. I probably was trying to fit in. And so I, I probably wasn't like voicing any opinions that went against theirs. Um, but fake, I, I wasn't really sure what to make of that. And so I wasn't, that meant I wasn't really sure how to fix it. And it also meant that I was super insecure in my relationship, like even more insecure than before in my relationship with these people. And it was also just kind of, you know, like when I, the way I interpreted it at the time was that it was kind of fucking mean what they were doing. Um, but then I'm sort of trying to, like, I'm trying to do the well-meaning person test. Like why might a well-meaning person have done that? And 
you know, maybe they thought they were trying to help me. The other thing I have to say, and this, this I do actually have rightfully a lot of guilt about, and, and, you know, this is not a pretty thing that I'm about to say, but I have done this to people too, right? Like they're, they're this is something that, um, I, it's not a good thing. It's not okay. But I've definitely been a mean girl before. I've definitely done this to people. I've done this to people. I, I don't think I've actively ditched them, but I've definitely not gone out of my way to be as inclusive as I should have been. And so looking back on that, there's a part of me that wants to extend a little bit of grace to those people. But that being said, it was still devastating, still devastating. So I recall kind of getting through that period, but then it happened again the following school year, right at the very beginning of the school year where they were ditching me. And at this point, I recall uh, the messaging was very clear that my continued tagging along was not going to be welcome. And I needed to fucking deal with that. So that meant I needed to go to school every single day. There was a degree of interacting with these people because I saw them every single day, but also knowing that there was a group of people who had rejected me for reasons that I couldn't really understand other than that I just didn't fit in with them. And that felt horrible. So I had to deal with that experience, but also the fact that I had this whole complex about people not knowing that I was kind of a loner and I didn't really know where I fit and that I was like, didn't want people to know I was available for friendship because that meant that I was a loser. Like it just was like all of these thought errors that I had and the shame I felt and the anxiety I felt was just was just awful. Like it, it, it felt I was very low. So in order for me to get through this, what I ended up doing, and I didn't tell any adults about this because I really didn't want the adults to know. I didn't want their pity. I didn't, you know, I was I was embarrassed. So what I did was I implemented this program for myself that I called my back to basics program, which was essentially I'm gonna get to school on time. I'm gonna do my homework. Like I'm gonna do what what's expected of me. And that meant that I was busy because if I had any time where people were normally milling about and socializing, I went to the library to get my shit done. And I think I also made it, I think I also prioritized eating well at the time, but I also want to say that I prioritized being nice to people. Like I just wanted to be nice to people and sort of be, now I would say that that's kind of unimpeachable, right? Like I didn't want to open myself up to any criticism. I didn't want to be mean. I wanted to be nice. And kind of whether you want to call it magic or whether you want to actually try to explain it, which I have done for myself, which is like, okay, you know what? I got like a bit of a high. I got a little bit of a buzz off of getting my shit done and crossing stuff off my to-do list and being nice. But what ended up happening was in a fairly short amount of time, I ended up finding new friends. And these were friends that I could trust to show up on time for lunch and not ditch me, by the way. Um, but it was kind of interesting how that worked. And so I looked at that and I was like, hmm, that's a coping mechanism I can use. Like this is very, very interesting for me. So this situation inevitably repeated itself a few times into adulthood. And I don't want to label myself. Like I don't want to be like, oh, I've got social anxiety or what have you, but it did repeat itself. And I have used that tactic throughout times in adulthood when I have felt like complete shit. And in particular, when I have felt like the social pariah. And I believe it's possible to feel like the social pariah when you're not. I think that sometimes when you're even hanging out with a group of people or when, you know, in a family or something, there will be times when you do something and you feel like everyone's pissed at you. And that's a horrible feeling. So I'm not just saying, you know, that I was a social pariah to that extent through adulthood, but they're like, I'm a human being. There are times I fuck up. And there have been times when the people I have to see every day are mad at me. 
And one of the things that has always gotten me through is going back to that back to the basics thing, which is like, all right, what, what do I, what am I supposed to do throughout my day? Like, what do I have to do? How am I going to entertain myself? And how am I going to look after myself in this moment? And it has never, ever steered me wrong to do that. Not once. So some of the other things that I will say to people when they're being you know, the subject of mean girling or whether they're being mobbed, you know, workplace mobbed or bullied by a group of people. There are a few things that I will do with my clients to help them through this. And one of them is actually to help them with that experience, that triggering experience of feeling like you're uh, whatever, like loser, whatever. I hate that word, but feeling like that. So that experience actually, like I still find it a little bit difficult when I'm in a social setting and everyone else is talking and I'm there standing by myself and not talking to anybody. And even saying this on a podcast that I'm going to be putting that out online, like the fact that that happens to me, there's like a part of me that's like, Ooh, I'm being Volney right now. Right. I'm being all vulnerable. Um, and you know, it shouldn't be like that because everybody has that situation from time to time. So one of the things that I do with my clients is I'll actually say, okay, in that moment, like, let's talk about that trigger. Because if you are panicking and you're feeling uncomfortable, people will pick up on that. And so, and usually it's like the, we don't want people to think that we're uncomfortable with this. Like we want to be cool with it. We want to know, like, you know, we want to be the person that's cool with just like hanging out in the corner. And like, I want to give off that cool energy. So knowing that you want to do that, how can we make sure that that happens for you in the moment? And I actually have tools that I can do to help rewire the brain so that you're not triggered in those moments. I also have tools that have been known to stop anxiety attacks in their track. So I had a scenario once, like a few years ago, before I met my now husband, um, where I was at a party and I literally felt like this. Like I was like, everyone knows everybody. The person I was with had gone off, like they were busy doing things because they had a job to do at the party and I didn't. And so I was standing there kind of feeling very uncomfortable and, you know, very alone. And I had a bit of a moment. Like I got, I lost my composure, excused myself from the party, went out of the party area and, and called a friend and got really upset. But what would have helped me in that moment is some of the tools that I have now. And I actually recorded an episode uh, on some of those tools and it's on YouTube as well. So go and check that out because even if I had used some of those tools in the moment, I definitely wouldn't have cried and I would have kept my wits about me, about me a little bit more. So those are some things that I can do with my clients. But one of the things that I'll, I'll ask them to do when they're experiencing that uh, on a daily basis is, number one, honor the feelings. So I'm not about toxic positivity. I disagree with this concept of like, you know, oh, bottle the feelings up and, and put them away. Like, I think we really need to honor what we feel. I think sort of naming it and saying, okay, right now I feel sad. And just because we're honoring the feelings, by the way, doesn't mean that we're labeling them as being good or bad or that we're judging the feelings. I think the fact that you feel weird or sad or rejected or uncomfortable in those social situations is nothing to be ashamed of. We are primed to want to belong with a crowd, like to us, that's safety, right? Like if you think back at the caveman days, like there was safety in numbers. And so we have a biological desire to be a part of a crowd. And when you don't feel like part of a crowd and you don't feel that safety, then of course you're going to get upset. And 
that doesn't have to be a bad thing. That's just a normal human thing. So honoring the feelings doesn't mean, you know, wallowing in self-pity. What it does mean, though, is saying, you know what? Okay, I'm feeling sad. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be good or bad, but it's okay that I'm feeling sad. I'm still a good person. Um, What do I need right now? In this scenario. So, you know, what, how do I need to maybe do a little bit of tapping, for example, to kind of help my nervous system calm down? Do I need to excuse myself from this situation? Like, what do I need right now to help me? That's step number one. The next thing that can be very, very helpful is to, to a certain degree, open your mind to other things that are going on. And I think it's um, Byron Katie who asks the question, what is everything that's not that? The that being the thing that's making you sad. So sometimes even just looking around and being like, I can look at my window right now and, and it's actually snowing. I'm just saying like, oh, it's snowing. That's different. Or, um, you know, oh, my my pants, you know, I'm wearing jeans today or the sky is gray today or, or you know, or um, I have a family. You know, sometimes even going back to those things in life that are actually working out for you can be very, very helpful while acknowledging the fact that you're experiencing this other emotion. Then another great question to ask is, and it goes along with what do I need right now, but is how can I help? You know, what can I do? Um, how can I either help myself? How can I help other people? But we get a real buzz off of giving. We get a real buzz off of helping. So that kind of question, which is just, okay, how can I help, can be incredibly useful in those scenarios when you're just feeling like this shit is hitting the fan. The other thing that can help, and I said this in the email that I sent to my list this week, but it can, sometimes you do need to cover your ass, especially in workplace scenarios where people are ostracizing you. It can be extremely helpful, and often I will actually recommend that people document to a certain degree what's been going on. And um, that, you know, I'm not giving legal advice on this, but it can be helpful in the event that you do need to bring some kind of a formal action about things. It also can be helpful just to get it out, you know, writing it out in a journal to just like get the emotions out can be very helpful, but also having some documented um, instances of what's happened can help you take a look at it when you're not feeling as activated by it and sort of looking at it with a a sober, you know, second set of eyes or showing it to somebody else and saying, all right, like, what do you make of this situation can also be very, very, very helpful. Uh, In addition to uh, focusing on the basics, I also recommend, again, making sure that you're doing whatever you're supposed to do, you know, for your contract at work, for example, or, you know, when I was a teenager, I was doing my homework, right? Like that's really, really helpful. And then also to do things that are really good for your soul. So you might not have people in that group that you feel close with, but if you have other people that you feel close with, make sure that you're connecting with them and make sure that you're reaching out to them. And then also remembering that usually and that's not to say that it's not important, but usually it's a small group of people that are inflicting that experience on you. And there are, I was saying yesterday, seven, but I think we might actually be up to 8 billion people right now on this planet. And so it's such a shame to let such a small group of people pollute your entire experience when there are so many other people on this planet that maybe you haven't met yet. And so that's something I always like to remind myself is that when I'm in those situations and in the moment they feel 
terrible. Like it can actually feel like the world is coming crumbling down around me. And I get it. It's a first world problem. I totally understand. But, you know, in those moments when you're feeling isolated and alone, that's a very real feeling. And I've I've recorded this podcast a couple of times now, so I can't remember if I've already said this or not, but I read a book recently called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And one of the things the author says is that um, previous societies, like, you know, in the olden days, we used to use public shaming as a deterrent. Like it was a punishment. You know, if people, if people broke the law, they would sometimes be exposed to public shaming. And they actually stopped it because it was too cruel. So when you're feeling shame and when you're in public and everybody is like kind of putting that on you, even if it's only a small thing, even if it's a first world problem, it can feel life altering to say the least. And so reminding yourself that actually there's a lot of other things, you know, zooming out and kind of saying, okay, this is just one tiny situation. There are other things that are going to happen you know, that have nothing to do with this and the world is much bigger can really help when your nervous system is freaking out to the extent that your vision actually narrows and you're only focusing on that one situation. There are times when we need to manage the image of the scenario. We need to manage the narrative of the situation. There are times when actually what's going on is not only mean and sort of like, I don't want to say, regrettable human nature, but there are times when it's actually actionable, as in people are being, they're violating human rights, they're being discriminatory, they're harassing you. And so there are times when actually it is necessary to take some action. And if you're feeling like you're in that kind of scenario where you're like, all right, you know what? Like I, the mindset stuff is great. Thank you, Susanna, but I actually need to take some action here. I need to do something to protect myself to protect my reputation, to protect my career, or just protect my own psyche, uh, you can reach out to me to book one of those pivot point power hours because I am known for getting people through those scenarios, even in just one hour, like even just one hour can make an absolute world of difference for you. It can change the energy you bring to a scenario. It can change the way you look at a scenario. It can help you see a way through the scenario. It Everything can shift in just one session. So if you're feeling like, fuck man, like I'm, I'm going to need a backup. Like I need somebody else. I need a sounding board. I need to call in my reinforcements. I'm your girl. I will put a link to that pivot point power hour in my show notes. And as always, thank you for hanging out with me. I really hope you found this useful. Um, For what it's worth, just to close the gap on that story from high school, I did sort of, I don't want to say, wasn't that I lost contact with them because I didn't really care to continue contact with those people, but I decided that... um, that was going to be a boundary that I was going to enforce and that I wasn't really interested in having people like that in my orbit. And uh, in a moment of, I guess, poetic justice, if you want to call it that, and I don't know that I would have handled this the same way now for the record, but um, I went away to university, found, you know, I made it through high school, found other friends in high school Actually, by the end of high school, I was okay. And I was sort of sad that I was leaving high school because I kind of felt like I'd found my stride a little bit more. Uh, But went away to university, really came into my own, especially over that first year. I found some friends that not only were accepting of me, but actually really filled my bucket. Like I really enjoyed hanging out with them. I It was just great. 
uh, came back to my hometown and wouldn't you know, ran in to the same three people that um, ditched me and and called me fake. And I wasn't at a point where I forgave them, but I they came up to me and tried to talk to me. And I think I said hello and smiled and kept walking. And was that the way I would handle it now? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I'd like to think that maybe I'd be a tiny bit friendlier because I've got a little bit more understanding for the human experience. And I also understand that people who are dicks um, usually are going through their own shit as well. Like there's this saying that one of my clients taught me about hurt people, hurt people. And so I now know that nothing is that black or white. And I think at the time I was like, you guys are assholes and I want nothing to do with you. And you're lucky that I even smiled at you. Like that was probably my mindset at the time when I was 19 years old. Um, but nowadays I would probably be a little bit different and maybe understand that there was, you know, more going to more going on than I knew about or more sides to that story than I knew about. But that was kind of my poetic justice. And I think the thing about that that gave me my justice in that moment was that one of the things I had done after that whole experience where I was ditched was I created a life, um, not, not on purpose, but I went on and kind of was living my best life. You know, I went away to university. I, um, was feeling really good about myself. I was feeling like I was comfortable in my own skin. I was fucking happy. And I really believe that happiness is truly the best quote unquote revenge in those situations, because your own happiness, when you can access it and it's not dependent on those people, when you're not like saying, oh, like they need to come back and grovel to me and say that they were sorry for what they did. When you're not asking for that and you're happy anyway, in my head, I think that's that's the best way to go because they also will pick up on that and they will know that they didn't have as much power over you as maybe they thought they did. And um you know, wishing them well is another thing that you can do. But honestly, um, I, I feel like not that I needed to come out ahead, but I think in that scenario, I came out of that as best as I, as I possibly could because I found happiness and it had nothing to do with them. So rounding out that story. Anyway, thanks for spending this time with me. I will see you next time. This has been Subject to Improvement. I am Susanna Margison, and I hope you have an amazing day.